This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. The State of the Union is uh, unruly and never boring. Uh, It seems as if the State of the Union, just as we're ready to write it off as just another exercise in, pardon the expression, political theater, uh, it it actually surprises us. And such was the case uh, this week when Joe Biden gave his second uh, State of the Union address, his third uh, address, although that first one never counts, the one in 2021, just an address to a joint state of uh, joint session of Congress, but this was Joe Biden's annual delivery of the State of the Union, and we saw quite a bit. Uh, you know, the, the, it is it is easy to say, like, this is just another uh, speech for the president to give, but we, we had some stuff going on, and we have two of our uh, finest here at CQ Roll Call to talk about it, our chief correspondent, Niels Lesniewski. Hello, Niels. Hello. And Jim Saxa, our uh, features writer and expert on all things Marjorie Taylor Greene. Welcome, Jim. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Niels, let's start with you. I mean, one of the things that, uh, uh, you know, everybody noted, in, including the two of you uh, in, in your stories for, for Roll Call, there was a lot of back and forth uh, between the president and, and Republicans in the chamber. And, you know, th- this was definitely a new kind of thing. Uh, he, he, you know, he's a uh, uh, had the the pleasure of just his own party in the majorities the first couple of years of his presidency, and he has to deal with a divided Congress now, uh, with with Kevin McCarthy as Speaker and the Republicans in the majority in the House. But we'll get to that you know some of that back and forth that we saw at the State of the Union. But Niels, one of the things that you uh, have noticed in in the last few months is that perhaps because the uh, White House knew that this was not going to be a uh, some genteel uh, Bob Michael-like uh, Republican conference in the House uh, that they were going to perhaps need to be a little bit more aggressive, and you've seen uh, you've seen some of that in in your reporting and the approach in the White House. Let's talk about that a little bit because I think it leads right into what we saw at the State of the Union on Tuesday night. Yeah, that's right. the The White House has been fairly um, unabashed in its criticism. Uh, particularly of elements of the the House Republican conference. Uh, They have not at all uh, shied away in the press operation and the president himself, frankly, in referring to the MAGA Republican uh, subset of the uh, House. Uh, They have uh, dedicated considerable press uh, office resources uh, both to having a separate uh, press operation associated with the White House Counsel's Office uh, to both deal with the questions related to the documents and uh, to deal with the questions uh, that, frankly, are uh, part and parcel of uh, having a House Republican majority with committees that are set up uh, largely to investigate uh, the Biden administration, uh, Hunter Biden, other 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 uh, scandals or not, 
Um, and so they're sort of have staffed up to deal with that. They've been aggressive about uh, trying to uh, make uh, their case. And, and the State of the Union was in a large uh, measure uh, intentionally or not, I don't think we fully know exactly how much they were trying to bait them uh, last night, but but a, a means of responding uh, to that element of the Republican conference. And Jim, I mean, you were in our uh, seat in the in the in the gallery there uh, last night. I mean, on on television, which is how most people you know see this speech because they don't uh, you know they don't really get to. Uh, fill the uh, relatively small confines, friendly confines of the House chamber, even though it does fit uh, quite a few people uh, for one of these things. But it was, it seemed that it might have been even a little rowdier, uh, be, you know, than we saw on TV because, oh, yeah. uh, you know, some of that gets muffled. Talk a little bit about that, like the sense, you know, like at a, almost like a being at a, almost like a, like a wrestling match or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, it definitely was louder there. I actually uh, watched uh, the speech again this morning uh, on, on YouTube. And yeah, you did not hear uh, half of the, the heckles and grumblings from the, the Republican side. You also didn't hear a lot of the cheering uh, and uh, sort of a call and response type uh, um, uh, things that the Democrats were uh, saying. There are a couple of amens and hallelujahs, uh, and uh, that's right, it's being shouted uh, from members of the squad. Um, but uh, it was definitely rowdier. Uh, you also didn't see on TV uh, the look of Republicans' faces as Biden was delivering his remarks. You could see them respond afterwards uh, as the Democrats rose to, to clap, maybe. But um, there was a lot of eye rolls, a lot of really demonstrative behavior throughout. Um, and it, I think, you know, uh, Biden decided, like his team must have expected this because it wasn't the first time. I mean, uh, in 2009 with Joe Wilson shouting, you lie, that became the story, right? We all just focused on the lack of the quorum. Um, but the last couple of years, uh, uh, there's been a lot more jawing from both sides, uh, to be fair. The Democrats booed Trump at a few times, and uh, most famously, Nancy Pelosi tore up a part of his speech um, afterwards. Uh, but it's gotten more and more, and I think they went in expecting it. Uh, I think they uh, sort of goaded uh, the Republicans' most... Uh, outspoken, let's say, members, uh, the ones that desperately want attention at all time, um, you know, to, to do what they do best, uh, which is act childish. Uh, and I think it, uh, you know, worked. Uh, I think it made Biden seem sharp. I think it made uh, him seem uh, like the adult in the room, which is what they said going into this, uh, the White House said they wanted to do. Um and it made Republicans seem, uh, you know, um, like they, they weren't serious about uh, governing. There was a point in the speech where I forget what exactly Biden had said, but it prompted several Republicans to yell out border. And I couldn't help but think, oh, this that almost sounds like in the in the, uh, you know, 
in the House of Commons in Britain, the old speaker, uh, the previous speaker who would, you know, have this very, you know, sort of uh, luxurious sounding order, order. <laughs> and, and I think that, you know, some people have, have commented that like, this is almost like, is, are we heading towards a situation where it's like prime minister's questions? Now, now granted, prime ministers have to deal with this every week, uh, not once a year. So they get used to the, you know, uh, thrust and parry of of, uh, of of the way that they're they're questioned, but this this does seem uh, like an escalation and and perhaps like something that you don't put the genie back in the bottle uh, in, 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 at at this point. Um, Niels, uh, one thing that occurred to me is that you know w- one thing that is uh, you know w- was said of of uh, Bill Clinton, you know, as he you know got. You know, wiped out in the, in, in the midterms in 1994 after you know his first midterm, uh, that he was blessed with good enemies and that helped him cruise to re-election. Right now, it seems like, in some ways, Joe Biden is running almost against Rick Scott, uh, the former NRSC chairman and former governor of, of Florida, who is now the junior senator from Florida, for you know proposing legislation to reauth have to reauthorize Social Security and Medicare every five years. And this, you know, th- this was one of the uh, moments when you know when Biden mentioned this that the, the you know like the, the this plan that Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, there's that name again. She said, you know, you're lying, I think. It, well, is that what it was that, that she said? Or it wasn't you lie. That would have been just liar. too much of an echo. Yeah, liar. 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 Yeah. But, it, but it seems like, you know, Joe Biden just couldn't be happier than to just keep mentioning Rick Scott's plan for the federal government that he unveiled as NRSC chairman. Yeah, yes. In fact, in fact, the president sometimes carries around a copy of, of <laughs> Senator Scott's plan to to remind people that it exists. And it, it's funny because, you know, as we know, uh, when 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 Rick Scott attempted to become the Senate Republican leader, he got walloped. Yep. They he actually ran against Mitch McConnell for leader for this Congress. And and that vote was not particularly close. So um, it is perhaps instructive that the uh, president sees Senator Scott of Florida, uh, not to be confused with Senator Scott of South Carolina, one or both of whom may be running for president, um, that the president sees uh, Senator Scott of Florida as a uh, an exceptionally good foil in a way that, quite frankly, Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy are not really. That the um, way that the president is embracing this idea of playing off of these other Republicans, because to your to make to use your uh, comparison uh, to the the Clinton years, Newt Gingrich was actually the speaker, right? This is a different situation where the people who are the actual Republican leaders are not the ones that uh, the president is is going to be sparring with uh, all that often. The other thing that I'm reminded of um, looking back is the year that President Obama went to the House Republican retreat and did a Q&A session uh, with them. You know, I if I'm if I'm Joe Biden, I don't know if this is actually well advised or not, but I might be inviting myself to a House Republican meeting and inviting in the TV cameras uh, because 
you know, this is probably exactly what Kevin McCarthy wouldn't want to see happen. Uh, but 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 it seems that the president is is well positioned for uh, for 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 tangling with with some of these folks. And Jim, to to Niels's point about McCarthy in particular, you know, Democrats have had a, a fun time in the in the last few decades, sort of demonizing Mitch McConnell as, you know, you know, the Grim Reaper and all these other kind of things, and and made him a, a villain when it's been convenient, especially when he's the majority leader. McCarthy seems as far away in temperament from McConnell uh, as you can get. I mean, he 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 seems very eager to you know, to, to engage with people as a politician. And that, that seemed, I mean, even, you know, just in the limited view that we had from television, like McCarthy couldn't help but smile, you know, at the president and, and, you know, like shake his hand and also looked visibly uncomfortable. Like he might've had to go to the bathroom when the the cat calls were starting from his side. Yeah. uh, And you can compare that to uh, McConnell who, even when the president, uh, uh, called him out early in the speech uh, to uh, uh, tip his cap at how long he's been uh, leading his party in the Senate, uh, the longest uh, uh, ever. Um, barely smiled, barely like did anything. He didn't stand. Uh, he was sphinx-like uh, the entire time. Uh, and you could tell, actually, a lot of the Republican leadership um, were trying to emulate more uh, McConnell style. It was really the backbenchers that were doing the yelling, uh, the, the border you heard, it was actually secure the border. Um, and Eli Crane, a freshman from Arizona who, uh, um, was, is a strong, uh, MAGA Republican who has questioned, uh, Biden's election, uh, validity in the past. Um, he, he was one of the people leading that and it was twice, First time uh, Biden was talking about immigration in general, and then the second time he just, uh, you know, told the story of Doug Griffin, who uh, um, lost his daughter to uh, a fentanyl overdose. Uh, really, like, moving stuff. A part of every president does this since uh, Reagan, but, you know, uses people in the crowd that they've invited to illustrate uh, the problems that all Americans face or uh, the solutions that they have uh, delivered as uh, uh, politicians. Um, but, you know, delivering this moving stuff. And then, you know, they respond by yelling uh, and heckling. Uh, and again, this gets to my earlier point. Like, I, I think that's going to blow back uh, in the GOP's face and they're going to get, the entire party is going to get painted by that one brush uh, and the elder statesmen knew that and I think are pretty upset about it, just reading the body language uh, and hearing some of the statements afterwards uh, come out. Um, you know, McCarthy did say, uh, you know, chided his party on Fox News uh, this morning uh, for being so boisterous. Well, and it also just if, uh, you know, it, again, I was, you know, watching it, I guess, you know, yeah, the, there is the. It, it's just a weird chance to secure the border. I mean, it's it's like a lot. I mean, like it's, it doesn't have the punch of liar or you lie. It's almost like somebody who tries to start the wave, you know, at a, at a baseball game and it, it just fails. Other people are like, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, it's just. <laughs> I mean, it was probably more lively than most baseball games I've gone to. Uh, so definitely a lot of people trying to start chance and failing. And yeah, I think uh it, it sort of highlights again that the GOP 
lacks a lot of unity right now. Um, you know, they are broadly aligned on certain policy goals, um, but truly on, on strategy and, and tactics right now, uh, they, they seem to be pretty divergent. And one one term we did not hear the president uh, use, Niels, even though he, he, he did seem to be in, in his sort of Irish fighter mode, if you will, uh, last night, uh, he did not use the term MAGA. No, and and there was a um, conscious decision, interestingly, to not call out Marjorie Taylor Greene. Here we go again, uh, to not call out those people by name, um, and so it was it was fascinating that they were sort of elevating themselves, um, but the president was, and the speechwriters clearly had decided not to do uh, the elevating uh, in their own right. Uh, the other thing that, um, you know, I when I found out that uh, it was, in fact, Eli Crane, uh, who had been uh, one, of the, one of the hecklers, that's a, a fascinating uh, point for me because uh, I was probably one of the first uh, national uh, reporters who actually saw Mr. Crane uh, in action during that primary uh, in Arizona, and his existence in Congress uh, is an outgrowth of redistricting. Uh, so when you talk about how people come to be members of Congress, uh, that was the old Tom O'Halloran uh, seat represented by a Democrat uh, that got moved very far in the the Trump uh, direction uh, when it was redistricted. And so it, it's it's pretty much a safe uh, Republican seat now. Um, but that is that is sort of how you have someone who can emerge as a freshman and and be immediately uh, one of the people who is engaging uh, with the president like that is that that this isn't this isn't a situation uh, where where someone uh, has to work their way up, sort of in in, in stature. They they walk into a safe Republican seat that was newly created. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, some some parts of my hometown in Arizona uh, were were moved into that uh, you know O'Halloran now Crane district uh, in in the Verde Valley, Cottonwood, Sedona, you know par- parts of that that uh, were previously uh, represented by Paul Gosar. Uh, so it, yes, it, it became a it became a much more uh, Republican district uh, in, in redistricting, even with you know the, an independent redistricting commission. But you know it's it's always this is always the the the, the first election after redistricting is always. It always gives us a very uh, diverse cast of characters that we don't necessarily get midstream uh, in in the decade. So, Jim, this was you know this is again the first time it, since the pandemic started that Republicans have been in the majority for the State of the Union for for this presidential address. Again, I, I went to a, a, a joint address last year when uh, Volodymyr Zelensky spoke. Uh, Nobody's wearing masks. <laughs> no one is. I mean, there, there. Uh, it, it is. Uh, I mean, very much. It seems like we're we are past this. But it was. What was was it odd to be just in that? That's probably the biggest 
event, you know, even even like because, you know, with even the day that the the Congress convened, uh, you know, the Republicans said that they were going to open up the place more uh, than the Democrats had. So we just have more people. And then this was the first address. Talk about how crowded it was uh, for for this, even with all the enhanced security that the Secret Service and Capitol Police uh, account for, like erecting fences around the campus. Yeah, um, it's the it's the most crowded I've seen the Capitol uh, in my four years, uh, you know, covering uh, Congress. Um, although a large chunk of that uh, was during the pandemic. Um, yeah, uh, in the upstairs hallways, uh, right outside the galleries, uh, you really you couldn't move your shoulder to shoulder. I saw maybe uh, you know. Uh, less than a handful of masks, and they were all on uh, pretty obviously uh, older uh, uh, invitees who you know, we can assume are uh, extra, uh, particularly susceptible to uh, COVID problems. Um, but uh, I, I don't recall, uh, you know, there might have been one member, uh, one Democrat wearing a mask, and that was it. Uh, and I couldn't tell you who. Uh, because they're wearing a mask, (laughs) um, but yeah, it was just, it was, you know, packed to the gunnels and, uh, you know, difficult to move around, uh, before and after, uh, the speech. And then, you know, I mean, the, the other thing is, I mean, uh, the speech was bookended by, by parties, right? There are receptions, uh, the, the hallways had that, uh, uh, were filled with that indistinct smell of, uh, uh, steno warmed, uh, catered food, you know, like <laughs> there's wafts of, uh, bad crab cakes in the air. Um, and, uh, I know the house GOP leadership, they had a dinner beforehand, uh, at, uh, one of the local hotels and there are a bunch of events afterwards. Uh, so, I mean, that, that also probably plays a role, you know, we can safely assume that, uh, half of the the members of Congress were half in the bag. So uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why they're so boisterous. By the way, gunnels, excellent word. Word word of word of the podcast. Um, thank you. Thank you. I- uh, and and then Niels, uh, the, the the president is is doing what presidents often do after these states of the union. He goes on the road uh, and talks about uh, how great he is and how great the programs are and so forth. And he's in Wisconsin uh, as as we're recording this, and he's heading to Florida later. He's he's doing all kinds. Yeah, of Yeah, I, I mean, he's going to. It's almost like they knew how this was going to play out with this whole Rick Scott thing, because they (laughs) set up a Thursday event in Tampa to talk about protecting Social Security. So, you know, it's it's it just works out perfectly that it happens to be uh, not all that far up the road from uh, Mr. Scott's home base in Naples um, on 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 Thursday it seems like they rigged it and, you know, it seems to be playing out exactly as they intended. That would explain the uh, higher number of Rick Scott releases I have in my email queue uh, today. Um, I, I think we're going to hear something about Biden's taxes, I think, is the retort or something like that. And I think they they dug up some quote from 1995, you know, when, when Biden was talking about something about Social Security and Medicare, about freezing it or something like that, um, you know, 20 almost 30 years old uh, quotes. Um, this this is going to get lively. All right. Well, 
Gents, thank you so much uh, for your work. I know it was a late night for both of you. I appreciate you uh, debriefing on this, giving an inside and outside view of the State of the Union and and where we go from here. And um, let's let's keep at it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks. And thank you for listening out there. Uh, If you have liked what you heard about this podcast, or even if you don't like what you hear, subscribe anyway. We could use more subscribers. Go to our website at rollcall.com and sign up for our newsletter. It's delivered every week in your inbox after we pop these things out on iTunes, Stitcher, NPR One, Google Play, all those kind of uh, platforms where you get your podcast. Thanks again for listening. 